0: Our reading this morning is from Matthew chapter 19, verses four through six. Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. We are starting off a new year and a new uh, sermon series called Behind Our Facebook Lives. How many of you are on social media just uh, for curiosity? Wow, we have an awesome hip congregation. You guys are just in. Uh, I am, well, I use the word hip, so obviously I'm not uh, current um, with what's going on. Um, I do. I am on social media, but you will rarely see me um, have any uh, any activity there. But this isn't really a series about social media necessarily. It's about what we put out there for others to see about our lives. And that just manifests itself so well within social media and the posts that we have and the things that we show about our lives. But it's also how we how we re- relate to one another, it's what we let people see and how, what we let them um, take a peek into of our lives and the effect that that has on us and upon us as we look into the lives and see that of others. It's our natural tendency to want others to see the good things of our lives, the best Part of our lives. And so the posts that we have seem to reflect that tendency and that desire. Yet the reality can be quite different, can't it? We don't necessarily want people to see the, the things that are broken in our lives or the things that are difficult, the things that are challenging, the ways that maybe we fall short. Yet we can walk this balance between putting everything out there for others to see or completely closing off from others and letting them um, see into our lives and so in this series we're talking about how do we be authentic with one another and what is god's presence and power in our lives our authentic lives Um, as we let others take a peek into our lives. And so we're going to look at that each week as we look at things like marriage and parenting and children, trips and journeys that life takes us on, and sometimes the pain or the difficulty that lies behind those smiles. This week we acknowledge that our marriage isn't perfect. I'll acknowledge that. Pastor Tim, as he walked down the aisle, said, hey, guess what? My marriage isn't perfect. I was shocked. Shocked, I tell you. Did you know that, Kathy? No. (laughs) (laughs) Of course our marriages aren't perfect. And for those of you that aren't married, we're we're talking specifically uh, about marriage today, but I, I don't want you to just kind of say, well, I'm, I'm not married, so I guess I'm, I'm going to kind of just shut down for this message. Because the relationships around us, whether we're married or not, or whether we're a widow or a widow or, or um widow or widow, or whether we're uh, divorced, or whether we're going through a, a challenge in our relationship right now, whether we choose to be single, wherever you might be, the other relationships around us as well have an impact on us. Parents, children, good friends, others within our circle, those relationships don't just have to do with those two people that are in that relationship, but they impact those around them as well. And so um, this can help as we think about those relationships around us. The other thing is that as we talk about marriage, and I'm going to put out some um, Highlights some principles, some foundational understandings of marriage that we learn from Scripture. But these foundational understandings of Scripture about marriage, marriage is simply a reflection of God's desire for relationship with us. That that God desires this kind of connection in the intimacy of, of mind, of soul of that connection, of that commitment with us in our walk with the Lord as well. And so as we talk about marriage, and yes, these things can be applied specifically to marriage, but they can also reflect upon our relationship with the Lord. I stumbled across, uh, as I was preparing for this message, a video of a, a couple, a grandparents, giving advice to their grandson on the day of his marriage. Uh, wedding, giving marital advice. Let's take a look at this from the Steve Harvey Show. Well, here's a video of a young man's grandparents giving him some marital advice on his wedding day. And they must know a little bit about what it takes to make a marriage work, because folks, they've been married for 72 years. <laughs> take a look at this tape. Be good to each other. I agree. Make sure that you have food in your frigid air because you do not want to be hungry or starved. Correct. Help each other in every way, financially. Yes, yes. Financially. a couple of dollars. Don't argue with each other. I don't argue with you. No, you you do argue with me. No, you always pick on me. If I didn't argue with you, we wouldn't be there together for how many years? 72 years gonna be. I haven't kissed him like that in 25 years. Oh, man, adorable. I, <laughs> I, uh, I peeked my head into Pastor Tammy's office this week, and uh, you know, I said, give me some words of wisdom, and five words or less, what's the key to a, to a solid marriage? Without hesitation, she said, the woman is always right. This guy knows that very well. Happily married for 72 years. Well, so much of what we see about relationships is through the media, maybe on television shows. Uh, who watched this one? Love, love this uh, back in the day. Yeah, have friends, and we, we, for a generation, learned about relationships through uh, this TV show and other TV shows, or through movies, or through uh, books, or literature, through social media as well, and... That's okay in some sense, but in another sense, it, it can be troubling because these, these things are fictitious. And often, difficulties within the relationship can be resolved within the period of a show. And that is not the reflection of reality, is it? Or, or the dialogue that happens, and I, I, you know, I hear these great things that you know are said in these dialogues between a couple. I'm like, why can't I have that kind of great dialogue? But there's scriptwriters behind that, of course. And and so this this interchange that we see through media isn't really a, re, a, a reflection of reality, and yet we hold ourselves and our relationships up to that don't we sometimes when whether we really realize it or it's or just subconsciously but we look at that and think oh this is the way it's supposed to be or I have to be this way or this relationship needs to be this way and that can set up unrealistic expectations and lead to frustration and dissatisfaction yet Settling within a marriage is equally dissatisfying and a poor reflection of the life that God intends for us. Jesus said in the Gospel of John, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. God intends for us to experience the fullness of life that God has for us. And that includes in our relationships, it includes in our marriages as well. Marriage is a journey, a mutual adventure you get to share with another person as you experience life's stages and as you grow as individuals and as a couple. I'm going to let you in on a little something. There's no secret. There's no magic bullet. There's no one thing that I can tell you that just makes marriage great. But there are some foundational understandings, foundational uh, characteristics that we hear uh, from Scripture that help us and can help us to have a solid and satisfying marriage life. First is love. Well, that's an obvious one, right? Of course, love. Hey, That's what brings two people together in a marriage, right? Love and marriage go together like what? A horse and carriage, what a great song. That love that you feel when you're first in love, when all of your thoughts and energy and time is spent with this other person, that euphoria that you feel C.S. Lewis writes in his book, Mere Christianity, being in love is a good thing, but it's not the best thing. It is a noble feeling, but it is a feeling. No feeling can be relied on to last in its full intensity or even to last at all. Knowledge can last, principles can last, habits can last. But feelings come and go. The feeling of being in love usually does not last. He goes on to write, now ceasing to be, to be in love need not mean ceasing to love. Love in this second sense, love as distinct from being in love is not merely a feeling. It is a deep unity maintained by the will and deliberately strengthened by habit, reinforced by, in Christian marriages, the grace both partners ask and receive from God. They can have this love for each other even at the moments when they do not like each other, as you love yourself even when you don't like yourself. Being in love first moved them to promise fidelity. This quieter love enables them to keep that promise. It is on this love that the engine of marriage is run. Being in love was the explosion that started it. Sometimes couples can run into problems in their marriage because they expect that initial euphoria, that being in love stage to last. And when it doesn't, they think that the relationship has run its course. However, being in love is but a phase in that relationship. In order to last and grow, the relationship must move beyond simply the feeling of being in love to an abiding and deepening love. This type of love. It's more about choice and action than it is feeling. And that is good news. If you are struggling in a relationship, if your marriage isn't perfect, the good news is that you can choose to make it better. You are not held captive to simply a feeling. You can make a choice. As Lewis pointed out, love is a deep unity maintained by the will and deliberately strengthened by habit. It is the choice to love my spouse each and every day that reveals my commitment to her or him, even when I may not feel like it. That is what commitment is. This brings us to another foundational aspect of marriage according to Scripture, and that is that marriage is a covenantal relationship. When we think of a covenant, where do your thoughts go to? You think in the Bible, like uh, a covenant, you know, that's something that God does, right? He makes a covenant with Abraham, for example. Abraham and Sarah says, I will bless you and I'll make a great nation of you. Your descendants will number like the stars or the sand, and you will, um, I will bless you, and I'll bless all people through you. Or we think of the covenant that was made with Moses and the Israelites. If they would be obedient to God, if, that, if God would be their God, then he would be their people. <clears throat> or we might think of the covenant that Jesus made with his disciples and with us in his body and blood as he celebrated the Last Supper with them in his sacrifice of himself. A covenant is a binding, public, and legal agreement between two parties. Real romantic, right? And yet, what do a bride and groom do to become married? They stand before their family and friends, and they turn to one another, and they exchange vows, promises of what they will do in their marriage throughout their lives. And they enter into this agreement, this legal and binding covenant. It is this covenant, not just the civil covenant, but That within God's law that forms the foundation of commitment to one another. A promise to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death parts us. There's nothing about a feeling in there. It is about commitment. And about choice that reveals itself in actions. And this brings us to a third foundational aspect of marriage. And that is unity. The two shall become one. In this passage from Matthew 19, Jesus quotes from the Old Testament and says this. For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two Will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. When two molecules come together, they form a compound. And they're no longer individual molecules floating around, now they're a compound. They are a new creation, a new substance. The same is true in marriage. Two individuals come together and commit themselves to one another, and there is something new created. They have become one. On a practical level, that means that uh, when there is a significant decision to be made, it's no longer my decision, it's no longer your decision, it's our decision. It means if, if uh, those of you who have kids know this, um, you provide a united front, right? Kids kind of figure this out. They know, you know, I can go to mom for this or I can go to dad for this and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably get my way. But if a couple is united in their decision, then the kids can't do an end around. And they know, oh my heavens, man, mom and dad have talked. We're not, getting, we're not going anywhere with this. Being one means that, for example, selfishness gives way to mutual good. You don't just consider how something will impact you, you consider how it will impact us. Another practical way that unity plays out is that you face life's challenges together. Over the holidays, my wife and I celebrated our 28th anniversary, and uh, we went out uh, for dinner, ran into uh, the crushes. They were out celebrating Dan's birthday. We share our anniversary as Dan's birthday. And uh, so Dan took this picture and uh, had a nice nice dinner. And, but in that uh, dinner, we were talking, you know, 28 years. How can that be? And we're looking back on that and uh, thinking about highlights over that time. But my thoughts went to the times, of course you think of the good times, but my thoughts went to the challenges. My, thought, my thoughts went to those times where we faced great difficulty. Because when you are one, you face those things together. And you lean on and lean into one another. And I think about how that helped us face those times and how we grew as a couple through those challenges. And so if you are facing challenges in your lives as a couple, or in your relationships, those can be times, yes, of, of difficulty, of pain, but they can also be times of growth when you lean into and upon one another to overcome whatever challenge that might be. No marriage is perfect. No two people ever get everything right. And as with all relationships, whenever you have more than one person, things can get messy. However, there can be beauty in the messiness of a marriage. When two people see one another in all their good and all their flaws, And they still choose to love one another, to be committed to one another. When they uphold their covenant that they made to one another and face all that life brings their way together, clinging to one another. Let's pray. Creator God, You have blessed us with one another. You've blessed us with relationships of all kinds. Lord, you have blessed us with your relationship with us. Lord, you have placed your blessing upon marriage. You have given us foundational understanding of marriage, that it is not simply based in a feeling, but that It is based in love, a love that comes from you, a love that you have for us, a love that shows itself in actions. Lord, it is one based in a covenant, a promise that is made before you and others. And Lord, you desire as well to make a covenant with us, that you will be our God, that we will be your people. And Lord, you desire for there to be unity and oneness within a marriage. And Lord, as as that unity exists, we can lean upon one another to face whatever life brings us. And you desire that unity with each one of us, too, in our relationship with you. As Jesus prayed for his disciples and for us, may they be one, Father, as you and I are one. Lord, we pray for that sense of unity with you. Lord, I pray for those who are struggling in their relationship, for those who have experienced or are going through a period of brokenness and difficulty, for all of us in each day that we face challenges within our relationships. Lord, may may we recognize that those challenges are simply a part of our walk together with others. Lord, help us to lean into you, to your promises for us, to your grace and forgiveness. Help us to remember the promises that we have made to one another. Lord, heal our wounds, heal our brokenness, give us newness of life, and help us to walk in faithfulness with you and one another. We pray in your name. Amen.